My name is Skip Lineberg. I've been a member here at River Ridge Church since 2011. My usual spot is back there in the audiovisual booth. I'm usually the one that's clicking the slides so that you have uh, sermon slides and so you can sing the lyrics to the songs and the wonderful music that we have here. So Matt made me a deal. If I had a mistake-free August, if I clicked perfectly every time I was back there in the month of August, then he would let me give this. You, I'm joking. That's not true. I could never, I could never be perfect back there. Uh, but Matt did ask me to give this message today and to kick off the, the new sermon series because I'm not a professional pastor. I'm not a professional Christian. And uh, his thought was that I could bring a, a relatable perspective to this question of, does God have a plan for my life? And that's exactly what I'm going to try to do today over the next 25 minutes. So today we are kicking off this new exciting sermon series called The Elephant in the Room. And what I love about it is that we're getting real, that we're asking tough questions. We're not avoiding that huge, heavy, awkward topic in the room that everyone can see, but no one wants to touch or talk about. We're going there during this sermon series. Over the course of six weeks, we'll wrestle with difficult questions. Sometimes we'll have answers. Sometimes we'll admit that we don't know. And I love that honesty. I love the fact that our church is honest. Number one, has the courage to step up to these questions. Number two, has the honesty to answer them in a real fashion. So I'm really excited about this. Uh, Back in Easter, if you remember, we gave you all some cards, and we asked you to write down your questions about God or Jesus or church or what it means to be a follower. And so here are a few of the questions that we got. I want to share a couple with you. We got a really diverse range of questions. Number one, how do you know Christianity is the one true or right religion? Glad I'm not doing that one. Why is it that some of the most faithful Christians suffer so much from cancer and other sickness? A really tough question. Good luck with that one, Matt. Here's the third one. If Jesus only had two commandments, why are Christians such judgmental jerks? Shouldn't we love our gay neighbor? That's a really big elephant. Not today. How do we forgive someone who will never admit their faults in life and keeps blaming others for their actions? Nope, not doing that one either. But the one I am going to do today, and the one I want to share with you, is the question of, does God have a plan for, our, for my life? That's our question today that we're going to explore. Why might you want to listen to me on this topic? What do I have to offer? What could I possibly share? Uh, I'll tell you, when I stepped into River Ridge Church uh, in January of 2011, I was separated from God. Uh, in fact, I was hiding from Him. I didn't want God to see what a mess I had become, and I wasn't wise enough to ask him for his help. Um, I was living three lives at once. I didn't have a plan. I wasn't following God's plan for my life. I didn't have a plan for my life. I had three plans. I'm trying to do them all at once. Plan number one I was trying to run was my past life and reliving all the mistakes that I've made. Can anybody relate to that? Reliving the past, reliving those mistakes. The second one was that idealistic life that I thought I should have. Thinking ahead, thinking about what should have been, fancy vacations, dinner table with the family every night, kids are always happy, fancier car, fancier house, bigger, more important job, we all can relate to that. And then the third life that I was trying to live was a fix-it life plan, how to get from where I was up to that idealistic life. And I wasn't doing justice to any of them. Uh, 
when I say that I was a mess when I stepped in here, I'll give you one data point just to, to give you a flavor for that. And if you ever want to know the full story, we don't have time for that this morning, but I'd be happy to share it with any one of you. But that one data point is in 2011, uh, through my business activities, I had gotten our family personally liable for $90,000 of tax debt, $90,000. Revenues minus expenses, Dave Ramsey, calculus, new math, college algebra, it, the, the math, the numbers don't work. So that was a big problem. I had two beautiful children, a beautiful wife and a great marriage, but I was working myself, trying to work out of that hole, working myself to death and not living God's plan. I knew of God. I didn't know him. In fact, like I said, I was hiding from him. So if God could help me get through that, and I'll share with you a little bit about that, um, he can do it for you too. So if he got me from there nine years ago to a point where Matt said, hey, Skip, I'd like you to give a sermon. That's progress, right? It took a plan, and I'll share with you what that looked like. So the question we're wrestling with today is, does God have a plan for my life? Let's get back to the elephant in the room. And I want to give you the major point right up front. So if you have to leave, or you doze off, or you have to go rescue a kid from over there, here's the main point that God does have a plan for my life and yours. How do I know this to be true? Well, that's a fair question, and that's what we're going to spend the next 20, 24 minutes working through, discovering, exploring, and learning together. So let me pray for us quickly here. We're going to look into Scripture. Let me say a quick prayer. Father God, help us to be still. Help us to set aside distraction and anxiety. Help us to set aside uh, everything that we have going on in our lives, to just be quiet for a moment, open our minds and our hearts and our eyes, that we might learn in a new way, that we might set aside some of our skepticism toward learning more about your plan for our life. Thank you, God, for the scripture that you've given us to learn from this morning. I give thanks in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. First place we're going to look is in Psalm 32. In Psalm 32, verse 8, we can see that David wrote, I will guide you among, along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. So David didn't always know what God's plan was for his life. At one stage, he killed a giant named Goliath. Later, he became king of Israel. Um, he led a great nation. But he also was an adulterer and a murderer. And so David had a checkered life, and he didn't always know what God's plan was. But throughout all of that, over David's life experience, he, he gained the wisdom to say, to know that God says, I'll have a plan for your life. I'll guide you along the best pathway for your life. Let's look next at Ephesians in the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, and we find this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That sounds an awful lot like a plan to me. What do you think? And there are more, two dozen more references in the Bible where God puts out clearly the promise that he does have a plan for our life. So I'm convinced, I've, I've learned it in Scripture, I've studied it, and I've felt it and I know it. And so point number one, if you want to follow along in your sermon outline, you can fill in the blank on point number one, and it's this. God has a plan for my life. 
Now, I get it. I can see the body language out there. You say, well, that's really high level, Skip. Thanks a lot. I hope there's more. (laughs) There will be. Hang in there with me. That's point number one. Also, there's some of you out there right now who are thinking, why would God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, the one who put the stars in the places where they exist, why would that God have a plan for my life, for a blank like me? I was that person. I felt that way at one point in time. But let me share a story with you. This story is about a person named John Newton. You may have heard of him. John Newton wrote the famous hymn, Amazing Grace. And John Newton's life story is rich and amazing. So many of us know that John Newton wrote one of the most famous hymns of all time, Amazing Grace. But did you also know that he was a voracious slave trader and captain of slave ships? Many of us know that he was stranded at sea aboard a slave ship. That ship wrecked. There was a violent storm. He almost sunk. And then he was miraculously rescued. A ship came along the next day, and they were saved. Newton had prayed fervently during that 24-hour period for God to rescue him. And he did. Now, Newton was 23 years old at that time. That might have prompted a change of heart and a change of lifestyle, going from a slave trader to something else, right? But it didn't. Guess what? The song would make us think that Newton immediately sought the Lord, but he continued to trade slaves for five more years, sailed back and forth to Africa to get more slaves to bring back to America to sell them into slavery. In fact, it took a stroke at age 30 to pry him from that slavery business after more than a decade of abducting Africans and bringing them back to America to to be sold as slaves, after being a deserter from the Navy, God still had an important plan for John Newton here on this earth. You see, John Newton found the Lord at age 32, and he sought God actively. He became a pastor in the Anglican Church and was ordained as a priest at age 39. He went on to preach and lead congregations for the next 40 years. To the ripe old age of 79, he brought thousands of people to the Lord. So look at the contrast there. The first chapter of John Newton's story, bringing slaves from Africa, kidnapping them, bringing them back, selling them as property. The second half of his life, bringing people to Christ, bringing people to salvation, bringing people to a lifetime of eternity with God in heaven. What a contrast. What can we learn from this story? What it says to me, getting ahead of myself, by the way, guess when the hymn was written? When the hymn was actually written was in 1773 when Newton was 48 years old, 25 years after the shipwreck where he was rescued. Logically, we would think that he wrote it right immediately, but 25 years later, the hymn was written. What what the story clearly says is that God's not done with you yet. God wasn't done with John Newton God wasn't done with my life when I walked in in 2011, and there's, there's, there's more to come. So if you believe that or you're starting to believe, if your mind's becoming open to that idea, good for you. Keep seeking. Stick with us. Resolve to learn more, and I commend you, and I encourage you to go further. God absolutely has a plan for my life and your life too. Let's look again for some guidance from Scripture on this question. Does God have a plan for my life? We want to look next at Proverbs. In the Old Testament, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. 
there's a nice cautionary point from Solomon who wrote this proverb, and that is to avoid leaning on our own understanding. Hey, that sounds a lot like what I was trying to do from like age 30 to 45. So I need that, that caution. I need that point, that reminder that he puts there. I need it every day. Let's get to the second point in our outline. Here it is. You can write it down and fill in the blank. God has a plan for my life, and I have a role to play. So that's point number two. Point number one, God has a plan for my life. Point number two, and I have a role to play. So naturally, right about now, we're all thinking, okay, so what's that role? What does that look like? I want to know exactly what I need to do. I do want to know about God's plan, so how do I get there? I'm going to try to share some learning and some insights with you on that, on that plan. So the role to play, the first point under that role is this, and this would be point 2A if you're following along, is part of my role, I must seek God. I'm sorry, I must trust God. I'm getting ahead of myself. Point 2A is part of my role, I must trust God. And that's the first part in the operative word there in Proverbs 3, I must trust in the Lord with all my heart. Can I really trust God on a life plan? Boy, I don't hear from him much. I don't have a close relationship with him. I don't know how he would speak to me. How would I trust him with a plan for my life? He's not giving me any direction. Maybe that's how you're feeling. Well, let's look at the next point, the next part of your role, and it'll help help to make sense of the first one. So let's look next at Matthew in the Gospel, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And here's the, here's the guidance. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What's going on here in this verse? This comes from Jesus' famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus was instructing and teaching nearby residents from Galilee and Judea. And they were talking, prior to this verse in in the Scripture, Jesus was helping them understand what to eat, what to wear, how to live, how to pray, and how to deal with anxiety. Gosh, even back then, thousands of years ago, folks needed help on those topics, and we still do today. How do we deal with anxiety? How do we take care of the material things in our life? So that's what was going on, and that's the context leading up to this this guidance. Let's focus on the first part of verse 33. Here we find a clear command. Jesus tells us that we must seek God and seek Him first. And if we do that, there's a promise that comes with it. If we seek Him and seek Him first, He will take care of the material stuff of life. That's the part that all the rest will be added to you. That's Jesus' promise, that that stuff that we were talking about before, I'll add that to your life. If you just seek God and seek Him first. So if you're following along again, the third point under number two, this is part of my role. As part of my role, I must seek God and seek Him first. Now wait a minute, seek Him first? First before calling my mom in the morning? Or my best friend? Yeah. (laughs) Seek Him first before morning yoga? Yeah. Seek God first in the morning before I look at Snapchat to see what snaps have flown in the night as while I was sleeping? Yeah, absolutely, even before Snapchat. We need to seek God and seek Him first. You see, it's crucial to seek God, to carve out space in your life for quiet time, for you to have a relationship with, with God and, and to, to learn to follow Jesus. Jesus modeled this for us. When we go back to Matthew, Right after that, that sermon was completed, what did Jesus do? He retreated to a high place where he could rest and pray. 
So he, he, made, he carved out time and space where he could talk to his Father God in heaven. And that's exactly what we need to do. Okay, so that's Jesus. Skip, that's Jesus. He's perfect. That stuff comes easy to him. What do, what do you and I do? What, what do you and I do to, do, to have that relationship? Let me share with you what my routine looks like. I think having that relationship and seeking God involves a lot of consistent action and forming new and beneficial habits, habits that we practice consistently, habits that we grow to gravitate to, to crave. Here's my process. In the morning, I wake up, put on my slippers, head downstairs. I try to be the first one down there. I'm looking for that solitude where the house is quiet and I can find a little space to breathe and rest and concentrate. I'll start to sip on some water. I'll begin reading. I'll start with devotion reading. I might read something in Jesus Today or Jesus Always. I have a great email devotion that I get that comes into my Gmail box called the Scripture of the Day. I'll stop after I've read a bit. I'll reflect on what I've been reading. might put some earbuds in at that stage, listen to some music, or just sit quietly and reflect for a minute or two. Uh, I'll, I'll read my Bible each day. I'll read a, book, a chapter or two in the Bible. Typically, I'm reading in one of the Gospels. Currently, I've been reading in Acts. So I do my Bible reading. Then I reach for my journal, and I begin to write. What did, I, what did I read that day in the devotion or in the Bible that's relevant to what's going on in my life right now? Am I struggling with something? Am I worried about something? Is there someone that I need to help? Is there a behavior that I need to stop? Whatever that was that resonates with me, I'll write that down, and then I'll fill up the rest of the page. Fill up the rest of the page with gratitude. Dear God, thank you for colon. Whatever, everything I can think of. It looks like, my journal looks like this. God, thank you for my salvation. Thank you for my church, etc. So I'll do my journaling. As I'm writing, I'm silently praying. You get it? As I'm writing that statement in my mind, I'm, I'm praying to God. I finish that when I've got an inventory of every, all my blessings, everything I'm thankful for. It's really been a game changer for me. After that, I'll pray out loud. I love to pray out loud to my God, to actually speak out loud to him. And that's, that's what my routine looks like. When I don't do my daily routine, if I'm busy in the morning, I skip it. Boy, I regret it the rest of the day. When I do it, I feel centered and balanced. My heart feels full. I feel like I'm more capable and prepared to face challenges and adversity that day. That's what my routine does for, for me. And I encourage you to develop a similar routine. Seek God, seek Him first. And these sorts of behaviors of seeking Him lead us to the third point under part two. As part of my role, I must grow my relationship with God. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't always do these things. When I walked through the door in 2011, I told you kind of what shape I was in. You can believe I didn't do them then, but I've developed this routine over the last three or four years, and it really works for me, and I want to share it with you. But as part of my role, I grow my relationship with God. So the key point, again, God has a plan for your life, but you must build a relationship with him. To understand God's plan for your life, you have to learn to be quiet, you have to learn to listen, you have to read, you have to connect with Him. It has to be frequent on a daily basis. Let me share a family story with you that I think illustrates the power of this. It was the end of May of 2018, and my son Sherman had just finished seventh grade, and he comes home from school. And he calls Lisa and I together, my wife, he calls the two of us together and he says, Mom and Dad, I think I'd like to not go to Bible Center School for 8th grade, but instead I think I'd like to go to public school at John Adams for 8th grade. 
And my answer was swift, and it was clear and decisive. No. We're Lindenbergs, and we finish what, you, we, finish what we start, right? It's a family value. We finish what we start. You started at Bible Center School, you're going to finish there. Your sister went there, she had a great 8th grade experience. Why in the world would we change you to, to public school just for 8th grade? So he went away a little bit dejected. Lisa and I reconsidered a little bit. We stepped back and, and said, is this a good opinion we formed? Do we need to rethink it? So we began to pray about it. We, we, we began to talk to others in the church. Probably some of you in this room weighed in on that decision that our family faced. Um, and in my reading, the first Saturday morning in June, I remember Sherman was away at Camp Alpine, and I had given him instructions for him to be praying about this decision. And I said, when you come back, we're going to talk about it. And I'd made one of those T-charts with the pros and cons, and I said, when you come back and after you've prayed and you've, you've, you've wrestled with this decision, we're going to fill out this chart together. So that Saturday morning, I did my reading, the routine I described to you, and in my reading that morning, in my, in my devotion book, God put this scripture in front of my eyes. It's from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. This completely flipped my perspective on the decision that we were wrestling with for Sherman to change schools. Because it made me think higher and made me re realize that for Sherman to finish the race did not equate to him walking across Bible Center School stage at the end of eighth grade and getting a certificate. No. There's a much more important race that I want my son to finish as a believer in Christ, um, as, as a follower of Jesus, that he's going to meet Jesus in heaven someday and finish that race. That's the race that he needed to finish. And that we had a lot more to do than just getting him through eighth grade. So that's how... That's how God's plan is revealed. And that we changed our decision. Sherman had a great year at eighth grade at John Adams in public school. It was absolutely the right thing to do. And we were happy and he was happy. And thank God that, that he gave us uh, insight on that, on that decision that we needed to make. So let's refocus for just a second. The big question is, does God have a plan for my life? That's the elephant in the room. And so far, we've shown that God does have a plan. Scripture tells us in numerous places. We've learned that we need to trust him. We've learned that we need to seek him first. And we've learned that we need to invest time and energy into growing our relationship with God. That's our, that's our role in that plan. But I want to introduce you right now to another part of the plan, and that's macro and micro. This is all going to make sense. I'll build this out for you, macro and micro. In the macro, God gives us power. For example, this is an analogy. We have access to electricity. Okay, In an electrical receptacle in our homes, we can plug in anything we want. Perhaps a coffee maker. Because of God's goodness, we can enjoy coffee. That's one of God's blessings. Okay, so that's, The macro is the ability that we can make that coffee. But God doesn't care. At a micro level, which brand of coffee maker we buy? Mr. Coffee or Keurig or whatever. He doesn't care. Ninja, whatever brand there is. Mr. Coffee. He doesn't care what, what brand of coffee we purchase, the, the beans or the ground beans, to bring home. Okay. How many of you, by the way, are light roast breakfast blend people? There's a few. They're all over here, strangely enough. How many of you like the dark, robust, extra dark roast, Arabica bean, as dark as you can get, 
Starbucks, Sumatra, can I hear it? Yeah, I'm a Starbucks, Sumatra guy too, right on. God grants us freedom to make decisions. That's the micro level of God's plan. So let's get back to micro for a second. Let's finish out on macro, the high level. God is the author of the macro plan for our lives. He gave it to us in the form of the greatest commandment and the promise of afterward, spending eternity with him in heaven. So God's plan for my life and yours is a two-part plan. You've seen it before. Let's put it up here. And I've modified it just slightly. God, forgive me for those parentheses, okay? God's plan for us is to love God and love people. I've said, and this is kind of the space we're in this morning, is learn to love God, right? God made us to love him, but I wasn't born knowing how to. I had to learn how to do that. I had to learn how to love God. Second point is just as difficult, if not harder, loving our neighbor more than we love ourselves. Many of you in this room are good at that. I'm, I'm not. I'll admit it. I'm learning. I'm getting better. We've just spent the last three weeks on a sermon series called Won't You Be My Neighbor? And there were tons of new ideas, examples, insights in that sermon series of how to be a good neighbor to someone, how to do the second part of God's macro plan, the greatest commandment. If you missed it, go back and get some of those uh, insights and instructions from that, that most recent sermon series. So part one we learned this morning is loving God, trusting Him, seeking Him, making space for God, and spending time with Him. That's part one of the macro. Part two, we just covered love your neighbor. Let's talk about the micro, and let's talk about those choices, those twists and turns of life along the way, because that's where it becomes relevant to you and you and you and individualized. Does God want you to continue renting or buy a home? Does God want you to trade in your old car for a new one? Does God want you to take that new job or stay where you are? Is West Virginia, is Charleston the place God wants you to be now, or is it Tampa, Florida? What about 10 years from now? Where does God want you to be? Those are the micro-level decisions. This is where we get into the micro portion of our discussion. God is powerful. He's creative. He's clever and supernatural. And in his infinite wisdom, God gave us the freedom to make choices, even bad ones. You see, at the macro level, at the micro level, God did not script our lives. He did not build us pre-programmed. He did not make us as robots. He gave us free will. Does this mean that God totally abandons us and just says, have at it? Absolutely not. God's with us along the way in the micro of our life, and the twists and turns. Think about my son's move from Christian school to public school. Think about John Newton's life, the first chapter and the second chapter. God wants us to have choices. He wants us to make mistakes. He wants us to learn, fail sometimes. And in that, he wants us to grow our faith. But, and this is huge, he will help us. Even though we have free will and he wants us to make those choices and mistakes, he will help us. God is with us. God is ready to help us whenever we ask him. His, his response is not always immediate, is it? It's not always an immediate response. But he is with you and me as we live and discover the micro plan for our lives. God told us in the, in the Bible, I'm with you always, even to the end of time. Wait, wait, how, how is he with How is he with us? Okay, let, let's break that down. And in the mac, micro of our lives, what are the ways that God's with us? There's four ways, and you can see them here on this slide. He's with us in his word. That's the Bible. We've talked a lot about that. You've seen examples this morning. He's with us through prayer. The maker of heaven and earth, the person that put the stars where they are today, 
the guy that decided how the person that decided how much water needed to be in the ocean allows us to come directly to him without an intermediary. And a selfish God would say, yeah, you can come to me, but only to praise me, only to tell me how great I am. But our God allows us to come to him with our heartaches and our troubles and our requests for help too. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing that God allows us to bring those requests and prayers and petitions to him? Number three, God's with us in the micro of life and in the Holy Spirit. That's that, that's that nudge that you learn to feel. That's that portion of the Holy Trinity that was invested in each one of us the moment we accepted Christ as our Savior. That's with us, and it, it prompts us, it speaks to us, it nudges us, and as you learn, as you grow in your relationship with God, that becomes more clear, and that's called discernment, and it's powerful and wonderful and rich. And I pray that each of you would gain discernment if you don't already have it. Fourth, God's with us in the form of wise counsel. God, in, the, in his mysterious and wonderful way through his church, will put something on the heart of someone to say to you, you weren't even expecting it, but they have something that's exactly what you need to hear. It's the advice you need. It's the change of perspective that you need when you're stuck. It's happened to every, each one of us. That's God at work. I want to give a repeat of something that Ryan Dedrick said on August 4th, about a month ago, and he gave us this cautionary. I call it a litmus test. Here it is. Unique spiritual revelation, whether read, felt, prompted, or heard from another believer, will never contradict absolute biblical truth. So that's how you judge it. That's how you assess it. That's how you frame it up. Is it aligned with biblical truth? Okay, I'm going to listen, and I'm going to follow that. If it's not, if it contradicts with biblical truth, then it's not from God. Okay? That's an important litmus test. Let's add major point number three to this whole analysis, this whole analysis of does God have a plan for my life? We've talked about that he does. We've talked about our role. We've talked about macro and micro. Let me show you a cautionary uh, statement here that I want to share with you. It's from my learning, and it goes like this. Sometimes we expect God to guide us in the micro of our life when we're not taking care of the macro, Okay. If you, if you aren't hearing from God, if he's not responding to you on a micro issue and you're praying about it or you're wanting to listen to the Holy Spirit, go back and check and zoom out and say, am I, am I loving God? Am I loving my neighbor? And if you're not, invest some time there and then expect God to speak to you at, on that micro level decision or, or life's path issue. Getting back to me and my story and what I've learned in 53 years is that God always had a plan for my life. It took me a while to learn it. It took me a while to learn how to love him and connect with Jesus, learn how to follow Jesus. He was always there for me, but for 15 or 20 years, I hid from God. I resisted him. I ran from him. Like I said before, I didn't want God to see what a mess I was, and I was too unwise to seek his help and let him let him lead. So in 2011, I gave him the steering wheel and said, God, you drive this vehicle. I haven't done a very good job with it. I keep getting it in the ditch. I want to close with uh, one more beautiful story of the way God works in, in the micro. And, and uh, this was an important day for me as I was preparing for this sermon. And Thursday morning, God put in my reading a verse from Jeremiah. When you think about Jeremiah, uh, you think about Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, but there's a verse 
two verses down that just beautifully summarizes everything that we've talked about this morning. And so here it is, Jeremiah 29, 13. It was put in front of my eyes Thursday morning, and I said, wow, thank you, God. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's what it takes, folks. Let me pray for us to get you out of here so that you can enjoy your Labor Day weekend. Father God, thank you so much for the guidance and instruction that you've given us. God, thank you for allowing us to pray to you. Thank you for hearing our prayers. God, thank you for this church and everyone here today, Lord, for wherever they are in their relationship with you. I just pray that they would take a step to seek you more, maybe to seek you for the first time. For people that already have a relationship with you and they know your plan, God, I just challenge them through this prayer that you are infinite and that they would seek more from you and deeper from you than even they know now. God, I pray that hearts would be changed by this message, that you would be glorified, that others would come and seek you to discover your plan for their lives. God, I can't thank you enough. Thank you for this holiday weekend. Thank you for the learning that you've given us this morning, and we give thanks and praise in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Folks, we'll have prayer team down here available. If you want to pray, if you want prayer for yourself, if you want to discuss anything that you've heard this morning, If you want to accept Christ as your Savior, meet us down in front, and one of our prayer team will pray for you. Thank you so much. Have a great holiday weekend.